1: What up? What up? Welcome into the Bleacher Report app. Happy to join you today. My name is Will Weir. I am one of the co hosts of the Green Within the podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And joining me today, we have my podcasting cousin from across the pond, the leader of the Taylor gang, the one and only Adam Taylor. Adam, how are you doing today, my man?
2: I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's nice to be recording or live streaming a show at a reasonable hour for me. I'm not used to this. I'm awake. I'm awake. I know
1: you're a, you're a night owl, man. Usually we got you up at eleven midnight, sometimes one a.m. trying to record a podcast. So it's happy today that you know I can see the sun coming through in the you know in the window next to your office. There, it looks like it's a nice sunny day out there for you.
2: Yeah, I'm not uh, that's not unusual too. We're just winning every way we look at it. Right, we've got the sun coming through, it's early enough. I've got some energy, it's the off season, got a bunch of stuff to talk about. It's just a good time all around, man. No, that's it's right. Fine. Nothing, nothing but dubs on this live stream
1: today. So as everybody's coming into the room, we appreciate y'all joining us once again. We are two out of the three hosts of the Green with Envy podcast. And today We are here to talk about what is the next step for the Boston Celtics this offseason. We all know about the mega trade that went down the night before the NBA draft. Goodbye to longtime Celtic legend Marcus Smart. Hello to Chris Stapps Porzingis, the new big man in the middle for the Boston Celtics. So before we start getting into where we go from here, Adam, let's take a quick reset with what this team looks like post the trade post the nba draft in which the celtics accumulated nine thousand four round picks approximately i don't have that number exactly uh on draft night but also brought in jordan walsh their new second round rookie so right now adam as we look at this boston celtics roster let's start with what we think as we head into the rest of this offseason what their starting lineup looks like. Marcus Smart obviously has been a staple of the Celtics for nine years. Most of that time spent in the starting lineup, sometimes coming off the bench earlier in his career. But for the last couple of years, a pretty mainstay in that starting lineup. So I think starting with, with what those starting projections look like right now, my guess, and this is where I want you to jump in here, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Chris porzingis those feel like four givens. And then it's probably Rob or Al. I'm not really sure if there's a specific way to lean, but would that be how you see right now the starting lineup looking as of June 27th?
2: Yeah, I don't believe that there's another way to kind of look at it, right? So, Derek White earned his starting role, especially Marcus Smart Gunn. Tatum and Brown are just untouchable in that rotation. And then Paul Zingas, you don't acquire him, especially after the season he had last year to then not put him in the starting five. The question is, do you go with Al? So then you have that five-out spacing you can run a lot of more actions that Joe Mazzulla likes to run, or do you go with Rob Williams and have that like that screening guy that can also play on the dunker spot and give you the love threat and vertical spacing? My guess would be that because of Rob's injury history and how he impactful he was off the bench, you run out in that um, starting four spot. And then maybe on back-to-backs, you either put Rob in there or you go a bit smaller and you start shifting guys up a position. Maybe you run Peyton Pritchard as a two-guard. He ran that position during his rookie year under Ime Udoka. So there's a lot of flexibility right now, man. I'm quite comfortable with the way the roster's constructed. Obviously, there needs to be some changes, though, or at least some additions or some tweaks over the next few weeks.
1: Exactly. And and that's what we're going to get into. I see a lot of great suggestions in the chat here. We're going to get to what the next steps are from free agency to potential trades that may still be out there. But like you said, Adam, you know, that starting five spot, we'll see where they go. Rob Al, that's kind of the the influx position as to who might be that fit starter. Either way, they're going to be one of those prominent role players. One of those two will be the prominent role players. And then so if you look at the bench, Right now, you have Malcolm Brogdon, the reigning sixth man of the year, who we'll talk about a little bit more later because it's it's not exactly smooth sailing when you think about the predicament that Malcolm Brogdon is in as it as it relates to how this offseason started a few weeks, you know, last week or so, with his name being the prominent name originally in the Chris Dapps-Porzingas trade. But for now, he is back, seemingly, based off what we've heard, should be ready for the start of the season. TBD, more on that. As we mentioned, Al or Rob will be part of this bench. Then you look at, you know, Sam Hauser, Peyton Pritchard, Jordan Walsh, the new rookie, Luke Cornett, J.D. Davison. How are you feeling about the bench of the Boston Celtics as we head into the rest of the offseason?
2: season? Yeah, I mean, look, Hauser had a good season. Peyton Pritchard had a good year the year before this season. There's still just a little bit less kind of experience there now. Like Blake Griffin's most likely not going to be in that rotation. Al Horford or Rob Williams will bring some experience to the bench. I think that you need one more veteran, really, especially depending on what happens with Grant Williams. I like Sam Hauser. I think he's going to give you some decent minutes. We spoke about it at length about how his kind of his existence in that rotation just forces teams mm-hmm. out of their offensive system because they try and hunt him. Pritchard, I'm actually excited for. I'm excited for him to kind of come out and have a prove it season after being so vocal during the regular season about wanting to move, wanting a bigger role, well, now's your chance to prove that you're worthy of that, especially with just the the press run that you did in February. But I am confident. I just feel like you could use one or two more pieces just to really round things out.
1: Yeah, and that, and that kind of brings us to, to where we want to go you know, with this chat today. And real quick, I want to shout out, we got a poll going right now. Who will be the fit starter for the Celtics? Is it Rob Will? Is it Al Horford? You got somebody else, drop that name in the chat. Right now, it looks like Rob Williams is the leader in the chat room right now at 64%, 33% for Al Horford, and 3% as other. But Adam, as you alluded to, this team feels like there's one or two more pieces that, that need to fully round this out. And that really starts this offseason with Grant Williams. Grant Williams is the real biggest question mark remaining as to what's going to happen. So let's get into three things that we think could potentially shape this Celtics offseason. And let's start with Grant Williams. And to lay it out, you know, the options right now, he's going to be a restricted free agent. So the Celtics will have the opportunity to match any offers that are put in for Grant Williams if they want to retain him. You know, based on sources, it feels like somewhere in about that 12 to $13 million range was the number they couldn't agree on last offseason. Now, obviously, with this new CBA looming, there is a lot of changes that have happened. John Collins traded yesterday to Utah. That was a potential team that had cap space and obviously the Danny Ainge connection that could have gone after Grant Williams. So the landscape itself is changing. So for the Celtics, they'll have an opportunity to match. The Celtics will also, if it's a team that doesn't have the cap space to absorb Grant Williams or even. They do, the Celtics could potentially work out some form of a sign in trade, or there's the option the Celtics just lose him for nothing. That's obviously the worst case scenario for the Celtics heading into these Grant Williams deliberations. Adam, where are you at with, with Grant Williams on your own personal opinion? Should the Celtics? bring him back and if they do try to match an offer kind of where's your line at for for how high you know if you're brad stevens knowing that this new cba is coming the jalen brown Supermax is coming potentially as mark stein reported a porzingis extension is coming at two years 77 million dollars when eligible what's your line for for how far you would go to bring back a guy like grant williams
2: yeah i mean entering last season i kind of had a bit of a higher expectation in terms of price points for Grant Williams. I was very much on that 16 to 17 million a year type range would be a push, but would be acceptable if it meant keeping a core part of your rotation. Adding in Porzingis and everything you've just said with the Supermax for JB, I, I draw the line around that 14 million a year point. I think that if a team comes in offering him 15 and above, Then the celtics have to sit back and ask is grant worth that money if not will he be worth that money by the end of the contract will he develop into somebody that's a 15 million plus year a year player the answer probably is yes i mean he's very valuable in terms of his defensive abilities three-point shooting floor spacing free and d guys who are young uh, super competitive are always valuable around the nba but you have to start looking at forward to that CBA, right? To that second tax apron, the super tax as it's being dubbed. And everything that comes with being a super tax paying team, I think that if you do get teams offering 15 to 16 million a year for Grant, that gives you an opportunity to try and bring somebody in, in a sign and trade deal that could help round out the roster. Uh, if it's under that, if it's 12, 12.5, maybe 13 million, I think the Celtics just match it and move on.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the I I think honestly the Celtics position hasn't changed much from what they were offering last year, right? That twelve to fourteen is is kind of the range because then once you go above that, you're you're really putting yourself in kind of a precarious position. So, you know, we're putting out a poll right now. Should the C's re-sign Grant Williams, get your votes in now, let us know what you think. You know, I I think for me, when I look at Grant Williams, the the toughest part is if you're gonna commit, you know, let's say they go to the high end of what you and I are projecting here, that fourteen million. Joe Missoula just cut this dude out of the rotation. This, he, he cut him out. So if you're if you're doubling in that you believe Joe Missoula, you know, is your coach of the future. They've obviously reinforced that coaching staff with some great hires this offseason: Sam Cassell, Charles Lee, a few others. You know, it, it's really tough to justify that if you don't think that Grant's going to be a guy that's in your main rotation. Now, I think you and I, you know, we think that Grant's. We hold him in a bit higher regard than what Joe Missoula did, but. You know, if grants—if that's an indication of Grant's place amongst Joe Missoula's vision for this team, it gets really difficult to justify. You know, four years or three years at twelve to fourteen million dollars, and then you have a whole bunch of other decisions that are coming up. So I, I think it gets really tough. And then you know, Adam. I don't know if you have anyone or or any particular team in mind that you think is hunting for Grant, but there's, you know, he he fits that young veteran mold really well. So those teams like Indiana Orlando that want to take that next jump, obviously the Emeodoka connection and in, that's the one in Houston. Me. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what I think jumps out to me as well too. He fits really well with these young teams that want a veteran but still fits their timeline because Grant's got, you know, NBA finals experience, playoff experience, big time experience, but he's still only going into his fifth year. So I think a lot of those teams are going to be the teams that are, are going to give Boston trouble in retaining Grant at a reasonable cost.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. I mean,
2: Atlanta could be another one of those teams making that uh, salary dump on John Collins. They could make some moves to free up some uh, some cap space. Maybe they have interest in Grant. It's doubtful, but he's going to be one of the better guys on this free agent market. It's not a great free agent class. I think that Houston make the most sense for me. I've been saying this for a while that Eme Udoka connection. They're a very big cap space team, and they need somebody to come in and kind of be that culture guy. Right to come yeah. in and set the tone offensively, set the tone defensively. Grant will give you that. The only pushback I've got with anything you've just said is, yeah, Joe Mazzula did cut Grant out of the rotation, but Grant was injured. like He's had to have surgery after the season ended. So we don't know how much that played into him losing minutes or losing a role, but regardless yeah. of how much it did, you, you still lost your place in the rotation and your negotiating standpoint got weakened because of it. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly fair. I think the tough part
1: for me is, you know, we saw even in the Atlanta series where he came out not involved at all, and then by the end, he was playing 30 minutes a game the last last couple. So it, 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 for, for it to be the injury, it's tough because there were some games where he didn't play at all, and then other games where he was asked to play 30 minutes or 20 minutes. And so it, it was unclear. I think that's the biggest thing. And I'm looking at the poll right now that we have going here. Should the Seas re-sign Grant Williams? The majority of fans are just like us. They're unsure. We don't know what the hell's going on. We don't know the view of the Celtics on, on Grant Williams and where his value's at. And I think the way that the market's shaping up, this is going to be a fascinating play for the Celtics to see what they do. And ultimately, this will dictate what options are available to them, you know, moving forward. Because if Grant comes back, or if they sign and trade him for a significant return salary-wise, not just getting, you know, second-round picks back and a trade exception or whatever it might be, then they're kind of done. That's kind of it for players that you can add via free agency. So, Adam, let's go to topic number two. And this is going to be a scenario where if Grant Williams is not brought back and they don't bring back, you know, salary in a sign trail, so they maybe bring back a second-round pick or two from a team that has enough you know enough salary cap space to absorb whatever Grant Williams' new contract would be. That would open up a taxpayer mid-level exception. The regular mid-level is going to be somewhere around twelve million. The taxpayer mid-level, mid-level, excuse me, is going to be somewhere around five million. So we'll probably have a smidge, just a smidge under that. So it's not exact, but it will be competitive, and you're a team that's, you know, on the precipice of competing for a championship finals two years ago, game seven of the Eastern Conference finals this past season. And I know in the chat, I've seen several names being popped around here that I think could be a potential for that taxpayer mid-level. So let's go guards, wings, bigs. Let's start with a couple of guard options that could potentially be available at that mid-level. And Adam, I'm going to even give you a name to start with here. So I've seen him in the chat. I've seen the name in the chat. And it's a guy that, for me, I honestly am not particularly interested in bringing this guy in, but I think especially with the departure of Marcus Smart, you're missing heart, soul, grit, defense, insert any other you know word that you can search for, a defensive-minded guy that has a couple of questions offensively. What are your thoughts? And this might even be a bit too much for him, I'm not sure, but let's start with him. What are your thoughts on Pat Beverly as a Boston Celtic?
2: Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, he gives you the grit. He gives you the grind. That's all he gives you, though. He's not really giving you anything on the offensive end. I think that when you're looking at what you've lost with Marcus Smart for everything that people say about his offense, he could still initiate the offense for you. He could create plays. He was a very good passer. By the end of his tenure with the team, he was a very good passer. He was a league average shooter for the last year or two or just below. I think that Pat Bev is definitely a step down. I don't think Pat Bev is what he was. He's just... Is he one of those guys now that's all game, all name, no game? Like, would you put yeah. him in that? Bracket? I mean, that, that's what I call Kyle Lowry back. Yeah. You
1: know, back before they before they eliminated us. All name, yeah, no game, know. and but I, I, but I'm I kind
2: of along that bit. line. I'm like, no, to me, that's just a waste of an MLE, especially when it's going to hard cap you. Like, do you want to hard cap yourself for Patrick Beverly? That's the question you've got to ask. No disrespect to Patrick Beverly, he's still an incredible competitor, but you don't really need that guy to come in and set a culture for you when. The majority, well, the entire core of this team that remains have been on elite defensive, like, rosters. You know what I mean? This team was yeah. an elite defense just two years ago. Personally, I'm looking at more of, like, a wing guy as well. Like, I like Tyree Craig. I think that that's a guy Ooh, that you okay, could like try and man. go after, give you some offense, give you some defense, can handle the back a tiny bit. Um, but Patrick Beverly, I'd be a no on that just because, again, I don't think I. if I was in charge, well, even if I was a member of the front office or not, like hard capping yourself for Patrick Beverly just doesn't make enough sense for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I just find Pat Bev kind of annoying. That's part of my bias in this. I'm just I'm just kind of out on having to cover Pat Bev for an entire season. That does not sound enjoyable to me personally. And I'm with you. I, I think his name is going to get thrown around because he does have some of those quote-unquote intangibles that I think will replace some of Marcus Smart. But, you know, it, in a, and it's not necessarily needed in my opinion. I don't think that's necessarily what this team needs. So you started to go down the path of, of some wings. And is that kind of where you, if we lose Grant, and we're looking at this roughly $5 million taxpayer MLE. Is that the area that you think the Celtics should target? And if so, I know you've given me one name. Is there any other names besides Torrey Craig that you're thinking of?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like you traded away Marcus Smart to get balance in the roster because there was too many guards. The last thing, why did you need to go out and add a guard when you got rid of one simply for balance? Obviously, you did it to bring in Paul Zingus, But if you listen to Brad Stevens' postgame press conference, he wanted balance. So that to me means you go for a wing. That was a position of need last year behind Jason and Jalen. That's a position that if I was going to use the MLE, the taxpayer MLE, Mm -hmm. that'd be kind of where I'm looking at. Tariq Ray kind of leads that list for me, bringing back former Celtic, Josh Richardson, if it's possible, makes sense as well. Now you're talking Um, my language. I want no part of Dylan Brooks, just to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I I think somehow he's gonna go for he's gonna go for more than this anyways, yeah. but so far out. So far I, I see out him as Dylan a full comes. non-taxpayer MLA type guy, yeah. that twelve million range. But if for any reason that he was to fall down, you know, and no, none of the uh Full MLE teams pick him up. I don't want no part of him. I like Richardson. I like Craig. I think that's the type of wing that you want to go for. Low usage that can come off the bench, handle the ruck, and just give Jason and Jalen a bit of extra rest and not have to force so many minutes down their front.
1: Yeah, we got a we got another chat going or should be another poll going here in the chat. Which guard slash wing should the C's target? Right now we've got Pat Bev, Tory Craig, Josh Richardson, or if you have another name, put that in the chat. Right now, Tory Craig and Josh Richardson kind of tussling it out for that top spot. But I love that you brought up Josh Richardson because I, I've seen it in the chat. A few people mention uh, Boston boy Bruce Brown and good God. Would I love some Bruce Brown in the Boston Celtics? He's just going to be too expensive. He unfortunately he's not worth having this conversation because at this price he's going back to Denver because Denver could actually offer him around seven eight million. He's getting well above that, especially after this championship run. Uh, That would be an ideal fit, but I think Josh Richardson. Can be a little bit of that Bruce Brown light, just in the sense that he can also handle the basketball a little bit. You know, we've seen him, what he looks like in green. He's meshed pretty well in his time here. You know, he was an unfortunate casualty in the Derek White trade. But, you know, obviously, when you look at a guy like Derek White, you got back, it makes sense to make that move. So I like Josh Richardson's name. Another name I want to throw out at you that I've seen in the chat and I thought about as well another old friend from the Boston Celtics. What about Jay Crowder? Jay Crowder had a lot of discussion about him, you know, when he was getting traded out of Phoenix last season, didn't really have the impact with Milwaukee that they were hoping for. So I think that leaves his free agent number, you know, kind of in flux, a little bit up in the air as to what his value is going to be. If he could bring him in for a, you know, one year, $5 million deal, is that a name that appeals to you, Adam?
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at Jake Ryder, everywhere he goes, they have postseason success. He's not the player he was even two years ago. But can he come in and give you some minutes, play defense, and get, be a spot-up shooter? Yes. I just think there's the other options that we spoke about so far also give you a little bit of ball handling, which may be, considering the way Missoula runs the offense, where the wings do a lot of the initiation, that might be more beneficial to you. But if you're just trying to go like, not a like-for-like, but a replacement for Grant Williams. Crowder's that guy, Mm -hmm. right? Free and D, hard-nosed, gritty, comes in with a bunch of veteran experience. If you're talking culture setter, I know I was one that said you don't necessarily need one, but Crowder can do that for you and be more impactful than what Pat Bev would. So I wouldn't hate that.
1: I would, I would, real quick, I would definitely agree with that, that if you're looking for a guy that's a quote-unquote culture setter, but you're also getting the production on the court, I much prefer Jay Crowder to a Pat Bev.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's for me, is where I'd kind of go there. Like, you know, if I had to choose between the two, I'm going Jay Crowder. I also think he fills a role that you need far more than adding an additional guard. And I'm going back over those points. But those are my three guys there, right? Tyree Craig, uh, Jay Crowder, Josh Richardson, and I'd have Richardson above Crowder. So then Crowder's the last of the three.
1: I'm with you. So I I like those three as, as, as top targets to look for. But let's get crazy. Let's get a little loco here, Adam. Let's go to one that's likely not to happen, but there's a way to make it happen. So we talked about with Grant Williams, there could be the potential of a sign and trade. So another restricted free agent that's out there and i'll be honest i don't know the full schematics of how this would have to work we'd have to hit up our guy keith smith we have to get mark stein out here if they're gonna bobby marx they want to really break it down those were the guys to go to not us i'll be i'll be fully transparent with everybody in the chat here but here's a name that i've seen pop up a couple times and i'm curious to talk about if there was a way to do a grant williams for cam johnson there'd have to be some other stuff in here because i think cam johnson has some more value than than grant williams does but if there was a way to make that happen where's cam johnson for you what's what's the temperature check
2: on a on a guy like cam johnson for the boston celtics i mean it's warm right i'm not (laughs) like i'm not against the idea i don't think that it's going to be Again, I think I'm setting my ways with Tyree Craig being the first guy, but I could definitely see a world where you go and try and get Cam Johnson. I think he, he elevates the bench. Does he fit what you need exactly? No, because I think there's a little bit to be left with wanting in the defensive end of the floor. But I wouldn't be, like, if they went and got Cam Johnson, I wouldn't be upset with that, especially if we're talking about, hey, we've just lost Grant Williams. We needed to bring a buddy in. Let's go get Cam Johnson. I wouldn't be upset with that at all. Where are you standing on it? Oh, I love. I'm a huge
1: Cam Johnson fan. I I just don't know if the path is there. I I would love for it to be. I think it's it's probably a bit too much, and I don't know what you would have to do to add in Grant. Because I don't think you Grant for for Cam is just not a move the Nets are are going to be down to make. You know, unless there's something else that's added to it. So Cam Johnson's game, his length, his defense, his three point shooting. Um, I I think he's you know slightly you know, I don't, I don't want to say more, probably slightly more versatile than Grant is actually probably a pretty fair um, way to break that down. And I just think he gives you a little bit more between the wings. And when you already have Porzingis, Rob, and Al, you know, the Grant portion, maybe maybe not quite, um, you know, what you're looking for. You know, before we move off of this taxpayer MLE, you know, you, you, said, you said this before with the guards, right? Like, it feels like we just removed a guard to get rid of the cluster. Well, we brought in poor Zingus. So do you see there being any bigs that appeal to you, or do you feel kind of similar about the guards that now we're just at, we're, we're, we're creating the guard problem where it was too crowded? We're making it too crowded with our bigs if we go get another one, or where are you at with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, finding an end-of-bench guy that's a big man that can, you know, rub goes down, he can step into that third big in the rotation role just as a, a backup. That's fine, right? You can have a guy in a two-way that can do that through the regular season. Bring I, back, I like been on a minimum, something to that. Effect. Yeah, like I like if you want to go young, so it's cost-controlled. I like the guy they've bought over from. Um, he's played in Spain, Polish guy. I don't want to butcher his name. Uh, seven <laughs> foot one can shoot from free. Really good movement, good defense. Played a lot of up-to-touch defense last season. Um, I think I can't remember who he, he was playing for Gran Canaria i like him you know he could be had on a vet min or a two-way deal if you can convince him to leave europe for a two-way contract which would be difficult considering he'd be earning good money over in europe so someone like that right that there's a point to prove you don't have to necessarily lose a roster spot just have them there for an insurance purpose where you can plug them in as and when needed that's fine i mean if you can get blake griffin back for another year i wouldn't be mad at that i'm there for the vibes Uh, Luke Cornette's still on the roster right? So Luke could kind of do that position too. But at the same time, maybe if you do sign and trade Grant, maybe Luke helps fill some salary. There's so many different things that happens. I think Luke Cornette made a good account of himself last year though. Yeah, I mean, I felt comfortable with him in the regular season. Like you
1: said, Blake Griffin even, you know, in in the spot uses that we could get out of him. Like, I think I'd rather go that way and really try to find somebody that helps you in that you know, positionally two through four range. I think that's kind of the the sweet spot of what you're looking for with that taxpayer MLE. So with that, let's go ahead and let's let's transition here to any potential trades that that could also help the Celtics. So this would be the, kind of the third avenue is another trade that could potentially, you know, do something for the Celtics here. You know, we've talked about needing maybe somebody in that two through three range. I got a trade I want to throw at you, Adam that it would be a little bit of cost-cutting and potentially just a better fit. It doesn't necessarily fit all the needs that we're looking for. But let me throw this out to you, and then we'll, we'll use this as a jump off here. Malcolm Brogdon, who we already tried to trade, probably this would have to be after he reestablishes that he's back playing, but two years of Malcolm Brogdon for one year of Mike Conley. Get off the second year of that Brogdon contract. You bring in a guy like Mike Conley, who is kind of the point guard the Jays have never really played with, the guy who is that table setter, aka that floor general that people like to talk about. Obviously, he's a bit older, so this is really a one-year, maybe you sign him for resign for a much cheaper price the next year, but really kind of a one-year experiment, bringing in a guy like Mike Conley and shipping out the sixth man of the year, so maybe some appeal to the timberwolves what are your thoughts on on a deal of that structure
2: so you want to trade malcolm brogdon for the guy that was marcus smart before marcus smart was in the nba like i'm, I'm okay with that
1: like I mean, i'm I'm,
2: right. I'm good with that i think that you know uh i like mike Conley. i like his game i think that brogdon in terms of one of the main reasons boston wanted to trade him was because there's no guarantee you get another healthy season from him if you look at his career trajectory healthy as a rookie struggled with injuries then all the way through till last season, really healthy, and then gets hurt down at the very last bit. You can't now nobody can help injuries. But if you are going to move on from brogdon a one year guy like that where you can either extend him at a team friendly deal or you can just shed that salary to help you stay under the super tax down the line. That that makes perfect sense to me. I mean it kindly of isn't somebody I'd gave a ton of thought to. To be honest with you, after the Paul trade, I stopped thinking about trades almost completely, other than yeah. anything involving Grant Williams. But I like Mike Conley. I think that could work. How would you How would you feel about it, though? Because I know that you, you were a big Brogdon guy as Brogdon came into the Celtics. How would you feel? Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, it? I, mean, I mean, Brogdon filled your boys' bank account with that six-man-of-the-year win. So, you know, I got a soft spot for, for my guy, Malcolm Brogdon. But I think it's to your point you know, what are the chances that you get another 65 to 68 game season out of Malcolm Brogdon? And then, of course, he got injured finally by the time we reached the postseason. And, you know, while, you know, it was a fluky injury, like it happens, injuries just happen to everybody, especially when you're playing for for that long. But, you know, last year was the second most amount of games Malcolm Brogdon's ever played in his career. So I think it's a little bit of selling high. And one of the things that's going to be key with this new CBA is just roster flexibility. And so, when you're going to have Porzingis at 30 million plus potentially if he adds that two-year 77 million, you have a super max for Jalen Brown. Two years from now, you have a super super duper max for Jason Tatum. That's coming in. That's a really expensive roster. And you know we already have with Porzingis and Rob Williams two guys now. Rob Williams on a great deal, even for his injuries, he's going to be on a great deal for for what that looks like. But you already have two guys in your rotation that. You're worried about their previous injury history, so if you can move off Malcolm Brogdon, bring in Conley, a guy like Conley who's older but has always been pretty sturdy, uh, you know. But then his money comes off the books next year. You get a chance to kind of reset. I like the idea of it just because I think he is a steady veteran presence, and there's not a lot of those traditional floor generals that, that you, we speak of that you know can play with the... That's just not a position that exists as much in the NBA. I love Tyus Jones. We've talked about it in our podcast. I have a very strong affinity for Tyus Jones. You know He was obviously a part of the Porzingis trade. He went to Washington. So that's tough to bring, figure out what that would be to make sense. If they already didn't take Brogdon, I'm not sure they're going to be interested in redoing that. So I like the idea. I don't think it's a necessity, but I like the idea of it being a potential. Is there anyone else on the trademark Market that you know, and like you said, I kind of thought to stop thinking about trades as well. But is there a particular, even if it's not a, 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 a specific name, Adam, uh, a player type that you think the Celtics should potentially look at? And Malcolm Brown going to be the main piece because it's really weird to bring him back after everything. So I'm sure the vibes are not immaculate on that front, despite what Brad Stevens may want to tell you. You know, that was more than a rumor that he was in a trade. He was definitively in a trade in a trade, but he was so, in
2: rumors before that as well, right? There's exactly. a few things floating around but that you Celtics. can play off that.
1: You can play off a little bit. This yeah. was like, nah, the team in, said we yeah. don't trust your injury. We ain't doing this. We out. <laughs> so, you know, if there is a world to trade Malcolm, Brogdon. who do you think is, is even if you, don't have, like, if you don't have a specific name, that's fine. But what's the player type that with a $20 million contract like Brogdon that you could see the Celtics trying to target?
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't have a specific player. Um, if you're going guard for guard, you want a Cullen Sexton type guy. Like I'd say a Darius Garland type guy, but you're not getting a Darius Garland type guy for the money that Brogdon's on, right? So you even... But no, let's stick with it. You. you want a Darius Garland type guy, somebody that well, can yeah. initiate the offense. <laughs> if you want to be more realistic, that Cullen Sexton level type of player that has some upside left that's been untapped and so maybe he's been overlooked by a few teams you know got moved off from the team that drafted him because they lost faith with him but then has shown flashes of being able to play i think that by the time that brogdon's healthy and started to rebuild value will be around that february trade deadline you can start to look around and see which guards are kind of shining that maybe they're on teams that don't want their players to be shining as brightly let me pause you for a second. What what
1: if they tried to move Brogdon but for a wing and just said they felt good with, you know, a Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, you know, we still have J.D. Davis and we, you know, he, his development. In yeah, my
2: dog, you can bring him over.
1: You know, so there's, a there's I mean, obviously we haven't even talked about the new rookie Jordan Walsh. He's the potential to be another one of these wing guys along with Hauser. But let, let's just let's go down the path of Brogdon for a potential wing, you know, anyone that jumps to your mind, because this is a lot of money we're talking about with Brogdon here. So it does give you a little bit of flexibility.
2: I mean, our boy Greg in the chat just kind of took the words right out of both of our mouths. mouths right. You want to go PJ Washington. If you're looking at that type of, that type of area on the floor, Washington's a restricted free agent. Maybe you can mm-hmm. do a sign and trade, obviously it hard caps you. So you have to make sure that the money's going to work and you're not going to be over the tax apron, but that PJ Washington, that um, prototype of player makes a lot of sense. I see Scary Terry being floated around here. I like that idea as that, well. Everybody use being talked about. On the yeah, player. everybody just wants <laughs> old Celtics Batman. I mean, I'm here for it. Um, I just if it's me, I'm going for a guard type that can move, that's big enough to kind of slide up a position. If you're playing small, you want somebody that's versatile enough to give you a small ball option, just for when you're trying to have a counter in there. So, you know, maybe Peyton Pritchard plays the one at this point. You have a Cullen Sexton prototype that's small enough but big enough at the same time to slide up to a small ball three. Um, Wouldn't be for very long, obviously, but you just want to play at pace at that point. If you want to go wings slash forwards, then, yeah, the P.J. Washington archetype makes perfect sense to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be kind of the area we're going. I mean, hopefully, you know, we just drafted Jordan Walsh who's supposed to be a defensive minded, you know, prospect. Maybe he's someone that can fill in this gap as well and eliminates the, the need to make a big move. But Adam, before we wrap up here, give me one prediction for the remainder of the Celtic offseason, season and then I'll jump
2: in with my own. Celtics re-signed Grant for 13.5 a year. Okay, that's that's a good. I'm gonna be spicy. I'm gonna be spicy. Yeah. What,
1: what do you What do you think about the year? Is that gonna be two, three, four? What do you, What would you? I'd say two now?
2: plus one, two plus a player option, allowing me to try and rebuild some value and then re-enter, to have a player option to re-enter in two years.
1: Okay, I think I think for me, I'm I'm gonna stick with this reunion theme. I, I think Grant gets a big enough offer from one of these Indiana, Houston, Orlando t- type teams. I think maybe the Celtics work out to get a you know a second round, a couple second round picks back, or maybe take back a a certain contract. But let's say they don't take back a contract. I think one of that Josh Richardson, Jay Crowder. I don't think Jeff Green's going to get the mid-level, but maybe that'd be a minimum signing. I think think we're going to see one of those wing-level, mid-level players end up on the Boston Celtics. Don't know exactly who it's going to be, but I think we're going to get one of those guys, and that's going to round out the Celtics lineup for the upcoming season. Hopefully, we'll get to see more of Jordan Walsh in summer league, and maybe that eliminates the need for that, and we have options to move elsewhere. But, Adam, this has been fun, man. I've had a good time. The chat's been popping. We've had some polls today. That's been really fun here. Should the tr- Seas trade Malcolm Brogdon? Man, that is split just about as much as it can possibly be right now. Uh, but want to remind everybody here that you know, if you're looking for more content with myself, with Adam, with our homie Greg Monegas, who's been holding down the chat for us today, collectively, we are the three-man weave. We are known as green with envy on the blue wire podcast network you can find us at green envy pod adam you can find some of your work at Celtics blog and make sure you run down for everybody where else they can find your work too
2: yeah i mean just follow me over on socials at adam taylor nba on twitter and instagram um you can find the green envy podcast over on youtube as well putting out some content there just appreciate everyone tuning in man
1: yeah this has been a blast appreciate y'all joining us we'll be back whenever they ask us again and as always go Celtics. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace, y'all.
0: Rights as if we need reminded. Preaching united, but speaking dividing, Reaching of everything for which we fight and be up and blinded. The teachers and rhymes of reason for those who stay silent. We keep on rising till so speakers collide and see what we dream up, oh Yes, we gon' it. Yo, and it starts with some questions. Hands to the sky like you asking for my blessing. I'm wondering why we've been lacking and stressing. We all in this pit, so God, where's the connection? All If we always miss the lesson Be the exception and question their lies I'll show you the answer Just open your eyes